All right, we are back with another AmeriCorps alum. Um, this is gonna be like, I just want you all to hang in there because our interview was supposed to be 30 minutes and we talked for an hour and a half, um, hour and a half. And we talked about so AmeriCorps, sure, but we also talked about a lot of other things. So for I'm sure. so excited to have um, Trey Deadweiler with us here today. And um, um, yeah, this we're gonna go over his background and his history. But for, for those of you that are new to the podcast, my name is Nikki Fiaco. This is AmeriCorps Connections. I'm a proud AmeriCorps alumni, and I basically founded this podcast and AmeriCorps Connections because my AmeriCorps year impacted me. And um, one of the things that I took away from, from it most of all is networking and connections and how important that is um, in, my, in your personal life, in your professional life. And I wanted to continue connecting and particularly with AmeriCorps alumni because I'm very, very interested in what people are up to now. If you think about it, there's 1.2 million of us um, and I'm trying to talk to as many as I can. So I'm hitting a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the folks. And uh, um, I just wanna get the stories out. You know, This is a really important time for AmeriCorps, for service, for our country. And um, so far I've had 22, I think this will be my 23rd conversation. Maybe this is my 22nd conversation. Um, and I feel like the stories are getting out there and there's, we're building a community, which is very, very cool. Before I dive into Trey's background and, and give you the floor, basically, I do want to give a shout out to Dan Medivere, who is um, from Time and Money, Time or Time or Money Productions. And he's really the one that helped me um, get this podcast off the ground. If you're listening to this and not watching it on YouTube, then you, uh, Dan directly made that happen. So thank him. And he's an NCCC alumni. So how cool is that? That yeah, right on. Like he reached out to me right away and he was like, I want to help. And I'm like, do you want to interview? He's like, ah, we'll get to the interview part, but <laughs> let me help you get this word out. So he's been instrumental on so many things. If you've seen some of the shorts that I've put out there, um, he pointed me in the direction of that technology. So um, thank you, thank you, Dan, uh, time and time or money productions. Okay, now we are here with Trey Deadweiler and you can see he's from uh, Think for Good and the Service Nerd Collective, but that's not where he started folks. I think that this man has touched every aspect of service <laughs> in some way shape or form um i mean he's pulling up like founders names points of light hands-on connect i mean this man has done it all and i'm really excited to highlight the work that he's done but super super excited to bring you his resource of what he's doing now because this is a man that you want to definitely bring in and some of the some of his knowledge is is amazing. So um, we're gonna just see where this conversation takes us. Let's start with though. Let's start with we gotta at least keep it like in the context of AmeriCorps alum. Sure, sure. How did you find out about AmeriCorps, and why did you choose to serve? And then we'll go from there. Take it away, Trey. And thanks for allowing me to be here with you. Um, and thanks everyone for listening and watching um, this awesome podcast. So I think the story goes, um, I was already working in the space. I was working for national, uh, working for the American Red Cross back then when I started. This is around 2003, 2004. Um, and also because, you know, working in the nonprofit space, 
still wasn't making enough money. So and, and at night, I was also serving at Chili's uh, <laughs> with the baby back ribs and all that good stuff. Everyone knows that good place. <laughs> and so um, I had a friend that was actually there at Chili's um, that just finished an NCCC uh, year and term at the Denver location. Uh, we met and we hit it off immediately. One of my best friends still to this day. And he said, I know what you do right now. And I want to, I think you should do this program, this, this integral uh, seat thing. I said, it sounds cool. You know, he's talking about being in the woods, being out, being outside every day. I'm like, oh, that's this, we're, we're already sold. Um, and um, fast forward a couple of weeks, we had some folks, some of his, um, uh, some of his team members came in. They actually had dinner at Chili's with us. Um, <laughs> they told me about the That's program. Awesome. Uh, from there, I immediately went through the process to go through, to start the process to apply. Um, and at the same time, I had to tell my supervisors at the Red Cross, hey, I'm, I'm considering this thing. And uh, lo and behold, hey, I, I got approved, went through the interview process. I thought I was going to be local for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, or at least thought I was going to go to Denver. Uh, they okay. shipped me all the way to Sacramento to McClellan um, to be in the Interval C Class 11 Western Region, uh, the ones, as we like to call ourselves. Okay. Um, if there's any other ones out there or Class yes. 11s, like hit the su subscribe button right now to support please, this channel please. and support Trey. <laughs> now, if you are in the red hot, red hot oven, if y'all know what that means, everyone, everyone that was in that, in that unit, if you're in the red hot oven, uh, my okay, fire okay. team, my crew and my, uh, my team, uh, definitely like, and subscribe and then get on this podcast. Yes. Um, so that was basically 2004. I served in 2004 to 2005, my NCCC. We worked everywhere from San Francisco, Sacramento, Indio, California. Um, we were in Tucson, Arizona. I was on a fire team as well. So we were in the, also in the El Dorado National Forest. I came back after my, my national service year uh, to actually serve back with Red Cross. Wouldn't you believe it? Uh, working in new services as well as running our National Preparedness Response Corps. So I'll pause there because that's where that's that was the beginning of the journey uh, in national service. But, you know, now about almost two, almost two decades later. Still haven't stopped. So still in it. Totally <laughs> still, still in, in. Yeah. Excited um, about it's you know, that's two. That's 20 years officially from, you know, raising my hand saying um, I will get things done for America. So. That's so cool. And, yeah. and um, yeah, and AmeriCorps, I think is turning 30 this year or something like yeah. that. So um, it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, so during your service year, let's just pull out maybe one or two examples of um, how, like how the program impacted you or something that you saw that, you know, that either challenged you, challenged your frame of, of the world or, you know, something that you learned two or three examples from your service year. Sure, sure, sure. I think the the first one that comes to mind is actually this is funny because we didn't even talk about this before, but this is really good to talk. We didn't. Ta we barely talked about alumni. <laughs> right, but you know what? I think you know what it is. It was it was Tucson, Arizona. Um, we worked we worked um, alongside um, a charter school at, with at, at a charter school there um, in Tucson, and I ended up working with the liter in the English and literature um, department and. Um, actually supported teaching poetry 
uh, for part of a semester or basically the semester while we were there. And that changed a lot of things. One, you know, I was, when I was working at Red Cross before, I was already still in youth development. So I thought I was going to be in the, it was, it was right there in that vein. Um, I realized more so how much I loved teaching and seeing the transformation, seeing the light bulbs. And it was just like, especially for like young minds and you see, you know, they start off when we're just talking about figures of speech and by the end, they're writing sonnets. You know, it's, it's just, it's really cool to see that process. So that was one big, big, um, what I learned there is that how much, one, I learned about myself, but I love the process. Mm. A lot of folks I know don't love the process, <laughs> but I really enjoy the process of transformation, the process of leadership and the process of learning. So um, I don't want to push us on and down a rabbit hole. Don't follow me down this rabbit okay, hole. Okay, but okay. I just heard today that like we need to the the idea of changing from gore goal orientated to process orientation because yes. if we're always like the next goal, the next goal, the next goal, then we really have to fall in love with the process yeah. to get the thing. And you know, so anyways. Don't, we're not going down that rabbit hole. Stay focused. Oh, you're gonna add. Okay, add something. Go ahead. Well, add well the other part, so because what you can fall fall into is the hedonic treadmill of like you know you get the goal and you just and it's you it's, yes. it's like you're never getting that place where you're really satiated. Yes. So you're just exactly. grasping at things and you're grasping at things and grasping at things. Yes. Or and then sometimes when it doesn't go your way, you fall deep. Yes. But if you fall, but if you look at any, you know, if you was take your 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 success trajectory, it is never going to be a straight line, right? It looks, it has hills and valleys yeah. and rocks and you know something something torpedoed it, and then there's like a drawbridge that's happened. I don't know where it yes. comes from, and and so there's these these moments where it's just it just goes up and and down, and so if you can be at least stable within that journey mm -hmm. you'll find yourself being you're enjoying the journey no matter if it's a big high or yeah. low low and it's, that. and it's taking it's taking the failures or taking the mistakes and realizing that is part of the process and that goes back yes. to what you said about kind of falling in love with with teaching and seeing the light bulb because that's what happens when people are learning and they're and then all of a sudden they cut they um they come with you on the journey and then they're like, oh, I got this. And then that's when they kind of take their own route. But, you know, yeah. yes, that up and down and everything's a learning opportunity. Nothing is a failure. Everything's an opportunity for growth, unless you see it as an opportunity for failure. But really, it's everything is an opportunity for growth. Even if you don't accomplish it, it's an opportunity for you to learn that that's not how you accomplish it. <laughs> so yes, yes. it's an opportunity for growth and um so that's what you know a lot of times we're focused on uh, even in my work right now we we're it's all about the growth process uh for folks yeah so and you we were talking we didn't, we didn't we didn't go in we could have we gone were so close we were very close <laughs> we're like dancing around we're like okay so okay so i'm gonna do a good job i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna do i'm gonna be an interviewer so i'm gonna bring it back to yeah. you, you realized that youth services and you're teaching poetry. And yeah. you know, what's really interesting about something that you said, I hear a lot of times the folks on NCCC, yes, being outside in nature is, is beautiful and awe-inspiring, but I think I could go back and find a trend with the NCCC members that 
a lot of y'all say when you are working with uh, a lot of times it's youth um yeah. and that's when like it's kind of this oh like you either find yourself or something connects so it sounds like that interaction with teaching poetry and teaching really got into you yes it did it did it did that you know what number two i would say would have been indio, indio california um out there in that coachella area if you don't if you don't know if mm -hmm. folks that don't know that space uh great tamale festival still going on mm -hmm. in coachella california not just the music festival check <laughs> out the tamale festival it is wonderful um but building out there we were building homes with uh lisk and um a housing coalition out there and just noticing again the building process so this is ah, that, oh yeah that's the theme of like from the ground up and seeing things be built uh, and be a part of that building was was what is is probably where I have those affinities. It's like I love being able to create. I love being able to ideate and and build. Uh, and so that sticks with me too. So uh, anything that's related, you know, so transformation transformation of the of the of uh, the organization, the team, the individual, but also the community. Um, it's also like that sticks with me pretty, pretty, pretty strongly as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like I can imagine, well, it's like anything, right. When you think about it and then when it, when it materializes and it manifests into the 3d world, it's like, I did that. Like that came from here. And now I, I did that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, it's this podcast, right? Like it's literally, this podcast is a manifestation and a building. It's just something that had been eating me inside. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, this this needs to happen and then finally i'm like just figure it out you know and and now and now we he here we are on our 20 something episode so if i'm 23 awesome. if i'm 23 i'm very excited by the way cuz that's the okay. mj number you know i'm, I'm i got to be oh. that's you know i you're the <laughs> you're the goat I'm of the, the podcast let me find out if i'm the goat of the podcast it's going to be great i'm i'm telling yeah. you right now i will wear that for a while I'll let I'll let you know I have to count okay. from I can't remember if I'm on 22 or 23 so um is there anything else that you want to reflect about your service year or, or want folks to know you know I think we when you're working at so NCCC is a really interesting program and I think it's it's like of course like no other uh because you are you live you work you eat you you hang out, you play, uh, you, you cry cook, with, you laugh with, yeah. cook, sleep with your team the entire time. You find the best goodwills, uh, <laughs> learn how to make mass rest, you know, cook for 12 people all at once. Um, you learn how to budget for a family of, t of 12 people all That's at once. That's so cool, yeah. Um, and so that creates... You, and everyone's from different places. You know, I'm from I'm from Atlanta. We had folks from Wichita. We had folks in New York. We had some folks from from um, Nevada. We had some folks from um, uh, uh, Illinois. Like so, everyone's coming from different places, uh, different cultures, different ways of you know, different dialects, different way of speaking. Um, and so, learning how to navigate uh, all the little nuances and and the changes, uh, the change, well, and, and I won't say they're challenges, but they're these, mm -hmm. these, these small little nuances of of like how we communicate and how we go through life, 
and understanding how everyone is experiencing even the same moment differently yes. was really powerful. Um, Absolutely. And I think, and so getting that really helped uh, frame a lot of a lot of everything else. Again, even in like now when I teach, one of my presuppositions I push to everyone is that we live, lead, and experience life not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Everyone's experiencing that. life from the inside out. And it is sometimes very difficult for folks to believe that. But when we break it down, you see, oh, it's coming from me first, my interpretation, my meaning I'm placing on the experience. And that's telling me how I should behave, what emotion I'm going to have, and so on. So yeah, yeah, that's that was, and I, and I draw that nice little line back to uh, being an intricacy. That's beautiful. I love that. And it's so true when you when you can grasp that no situation is is bad or good. It's your response to it. Yes. You get so much control. It was so funny, actually, in my nine to five today that just happened. Um, we use a CRM and it was called a certain name and they yeah. changed the name and the name makes no sense. Right. And one of my colleagues was like, don't you hate that? And I go, I don't take up any time like there's nothing I can do about that. So it's not even something I think about. Right. And there's things that like in our yeah. life, like uh, how many times do you go into the grocery store and they move things around? I mean, I'm like, but this box of Triscuits used to be in this aisle and now it's yes. somewhere else. Now yes. I'm like, well, it's an adventure. I'm not going to get upset with them. Yes. You know, yes. I know why they're doing it. They want me to buy more things, but yeah. I'm just not going to. So I love that reflection on your, your NCCC um, year. It makes, it makes a lot of, it makes so much sense. And how cool is it too? Because that program is for, um, you know, 20 something year olds. It's like that, that's that um, young first quarter of your life sort of experience. Mm -hmm. And to, to navigate that and get through it and then have a reflection, you know, would you say 20 years, 20, 20 years yeah. later that you can draw a straight line? Like that mm -hmm. really influenced you as, as a young, as a young 20 year old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely so, did. I, it definitely did. All right. So you finished your service year, you washed your pants, you <laughs> hung up your uniform and what did you do next? So I didn't actually hang up the uniform. I still actually have my BDU pants from NCCC. Side note, I can still fit them. So that's a big deal, by the way. That is, that's huge. I can still fit my in, my NCCC uniform. We should um, have a competition. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I moved, once I came back from Red Cross, I mean, from NCCC, went back to Red Cross and actually supported, along with our youth department, I moved over into our readiness department and supported uh, the National Preparedness Response Corps, which is which was the National American Red Cross's uh, National Direct uh, AmeriCorps program. We had a we had a core of about from each year, I think about um, no more than about ten. It was somewhere around that every year, um, and they worked all throughout Metro Atlanta, supporting how, mitigating those man-made disasters, education, and then educating the public and citizenry. Uh, in the communities around how to uh, prevent prevent house fires and everything else. So really cool process, really cool program. They also went out on DRs uh, as well. Uh, my first DR coming back into Red Cross in 2005, many of you all know what happened in August 2005, uh, Hurricane Katrina. My first big DR, which is probably one of the worst disasters uh, that we had here on the homeland. And uh, that was a good throw in 
you know, and I, yeah. I, I won't say that's like a metaphor, but I will tell you that my, my chief service, my chief officer was like, no, you're going. <laughs> so yeah. um, that was, that started from there. Did you uh, interact? I, did you interact yeah. with the AmeriCorps disaster agent, uh, disaster agency, or disaster services part of the AmeriCorps arm at all while you were there? At that time, we were a part of that. Um, oh, back, okay. Back then. So we, gotcha. so those mem I, my members basically deployed like the ADARs. Like so gotcha. they. Yeah, they rolled out as soon as there was a big DR, there was time for them to go. And so, and I could, I wasn't even with them for that, <laughs> during that time. I was deployed also in a different location. They were under a new, another supervisor um, that was over that particular, that part of that disaster. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and then what was, what was it like, what was your role um, with that disaster? So I ended up running um, an op well, opening up about five different, um, um, shelters or through through the metropolitan mm -hmm. Atlanta area. Um, the last one was out in Cobb County, Georgia. It was like in the Lost Mountain, west 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 part of Cobb County. Um, so basically, shelter manager most of that. Um, mm -hmm. And since we were also where uh, very close to Dobbins Air Force Base, if you would imagine folks coming from um, from New Orleans, uh, coming from you know basically from one place. Off, you know, you know, sometimes off the place, off the top of homes, getting triaged and coming directly to Dobbins Air Force Base here in Georgia, and then coming wow. directly to my shelter. Um, I think that was such a that was another moment, and you're like, one, can I do this, and yeah. what am I learning from this moment? First thing I learned, I need, I need to also eat, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, this is something that's really important for a lot of us that are in this space that yeah. I always see now when I'm working with a lot with some leaders that we are sometimes maybe unbeknownst, but there's a lot of self-sacrifice that's there. Yeah. Um, altruism can go into a different space where we forget to care for ourselves first. And, and right. And it's nothing we, we can't give anything that we don't have. And so exactly. um if and so that was a moment where I realized, oh, I need to eat. And matter of fact, my volunteers told me I needed to eat. Mm -hmm. uh, I was withering away a little bit. Uh, but that was a mo that was another moment where I was like, okay, this is exactly where I need to be in this moment. And uh, I'm going to do the best job I can. Yeah, so, that's yeah. that's amazing. And it is true, especially those um, boots on the ground folks. Like mm -hmm. you're so worried about making sure you were probably more worried about your volunteers than you were about yourself. Oh, well. I was, I was. And then that's when they, I'll tell you, it was this, it was this, it was, it was, they noticed something. They start making me eat. So they start only, they were like, pull, they pulled me to the side, had, well, if I was in the office where I, at, at the shelter, they would bring food to me because I would just, I would still be pushing. And then they noticed that I wasn't sleeping um, because I would still be up making sure everyone is good. So in this, if you know anything about like the Red Cross shelters, it was, it's very unique. We had about 20 plus hospital beds on my front row. That's unheard of, right? So that front row of in that shelter, in that gymnasium, it's all hospital beds, you know, so it was a different type of experience for, you know, than what we were even trained for. Um, and so when I couldn't sleep, I wasn't, I just wasn't sleeping. That someone, one of the volunteers actually brought their uh, uh, trailer, their uh, 
uh, their Winnebago um, out to uh, out to the shelter, and they told they mandated that I at least sleep in there uh, to get my you know when I traded out and uh, um, got some sleep. Soon as yeah. I got up, showered, um, and then came right back, and then um, so that was uh, another lesson again. Yeah, good for you. That's that's incredible. We're still managing the National Service Program. Um, I, I stayed with Red Cross. Um, until I moved over to the Points of Life Foundation, the Hands-On Networks. Okay. I was over there uh, for a number of years as well. Uh, worked with Hands-On Georgia to help our rural programs in the state of Georgia. Shout out to that. I love that. I love the Hands-On Georgia process. One, because I'm born and raised here in Atlanta. Uh, uh, my family is from rural Georgia. So it got me, it got me an opportunity to just get outside of the Metro again without just going to the family reunion, but seeing a lot of, of Georgia where I probably would have would have would have waited to go see. Um ran and that that was an AmeriCorps program, you know, a formula program for that. Um we worked with um small volunteer centers um within the state and still uh, moved from there, then end up working in the, you know, uh, if you, some of folks may know of hands-on university, if you did any type of training and like the volunteer, ma volunteer management training, uh, 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 training series, you probably did some work that we helped design um, in that space. And so did that. And then also was doing, um, uh, helping design and implement our programs in environmental stewardship, the entire swath of national service, education, uh, economic opportunity programs, our veterans programs, which I, which my, which was the veteran leader corps, was my last big program that I ended up leading and developing um, before I just went to compliance uh, and design, and then that was that was uh, after that I transitioned out, and now I'm doing this leadership thing that's uh, pretty pretty dope, right? <laughs> pretty dope. Yes, I was gonna say that's quite a jump from. Um, doing the the work with the veterans to to compliance. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you how did you do that head spin? <laughs> so so what's interesting it's it's so the 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 old nickname of like the you know so the reason why I think my friends start calling me the service calling me service nerd while I was in uh, while I was working in that space and I was like I, it was a little bit of a dig before because. And this is how nerdy it got. You know, one, no one really wants to memorize the CFRs. No, no one. No There's one gonna be people close. out here that are like, I I I love the CFRs. Yeah, something else. It's not Who's... too many of us out here that want to do that. I yeah. love it, right? So I knew the language. I you know, I'll I won't say I knew about like by like like the back of my hand, because sometimes it, you know, things change, but I knew it pretty well. Uh, and I did have a lot of pieces memorized and I could tell you where it was. Now I can't do this today, um, but that was one of, one of the reasons from that. And so knowing that I had a very much uh, a, a compliance first approach to design, um, that allowed me to support design and then also create systems for us to maintain compliance for all of our national service, for our entire national service portfolio. We, we, we thank you for that. <laughs> I I also am not well you are a CSR uh, or CFR um memorizer I am not 
um, until I figured out how to bookmark them when I was working for the commission. So I was like, I think I need to have a few of these bookmarked. Yes, 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 yes. There's very smart people that keep talking about these really important things that I think I should know more about. Yes, yes. That's amazing. The mega search document was a big deal back then. You know, the mega search, when when he got the big aggregate, I knew exactly where we need to go. Uh, in that document, I could find it. And then I, it, something told me I, I killed a bunch of trees. I, <laughs> I know, to, yeah. I printed it out one time. I was like, this is a bad idea. Bad terrible, idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. And for uh, those folks that um, are listening in there at Sea of What, um, basically these are guidelines on staying in compliance from the federal government. And if yeah. you have an AmeriCorps program um, or, or you're in a commission or whatever, these are like, this, these are the these are the rules, and you must yep. know the rules. Um, now they're interpreted, kind of, but for the most part, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> rules and guidelines. Yes, you know? it's they're not, sometimes. We so won't like, even say that they're suggestions. I would say they're they're you know a stop sign in like to me in a mall parking lot is a suggestion. Yes, yes, yes not yes. not a guideline and not that's a rule. Good. That's like, really good. That's good boundaries yeah. that circumambulate us you know <laughs> it you know like they just love, don't you don't you get close uh but yeah, yeah. so that was that was a part of my job it's like what can we do well mm-hmm. it says this so let's create a system that makes sure that we don't cross this line yeah uh, so that was that was and so i i love again process uh, yeah. i love systems uh and I'm, i've always been i think it seems like now i've always been a, a systems person um, yeah I really like that process all right so did this take you directly to what you're up to now sure yeah yeah it really did it moved me you know after leaving um after you were with the commission right no i actually was not with the commission oh okay wrong notes no no well i wasn't with the commission officially um it wasn't until i actually uh officially went full-time and think for good uh where i start working with more commissions and so i worked with georgia uh, worked with Virginia, we've worked with Texas. We, I mean, it's a lot of folks. And thank you all so much. If you all listening, thank you so much. So much. I love working with commissions. I still love working with commissions. Uh, but that helped support, um, um, really start off a lot of the process and work that I'm doing right now in the space of leadership. And and thinking about what did so really when I when I thought about Think for Good coming into this new space, I thought about all the program directors that I worked with, all the whole site managers, every person that I worked with and from the commission standpoint, going to the large conferences back when we used to do the big conference, uh, especially the one in the symposium we did in DC. And thinking, what did I need as a program director? Brilliant. That I can provide now. So the younger Trey that used to wear bow ties and a suit everywhere. Now I'll probably wear a t-shirt <laughs> if I can. Um, what did I need? And so I've been designing processes and programs and, and, and leadership development tools to help that person. So that's what we do so far. Yeah. And and I mean, that's like the, it's the perfect business model, right? Like what did I need 10 years ago? And mm-hmm. And fun fact, folks that are listening or watching or whatever, um, I think it was 2020, uh, 2022, mm-hmm. I was at the America Service Commission's 
um, regional conference in Vermont, and I was yeah. sitting in one of Trey's um, leadership um, trainings, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to connect with this guy. And then, of course, I went back to my desk in my office, and I was like um, swamped yeah. with work. But um, but yeah, so if you're listening to this and you are uh, any type of AmeriCorps program, like this is your guy, like he's got things for you that can support um, the work that you're doing. But you not only, you don't only, you have a really interesting model, I think, about how you deploy these resources because it's not necessarily you getting out there and helping people understand the CFR or whatever. You're really focused on leadership development. Tell, tell me a little bit about like your business model, what you what you have to offer, and then like what what you're focusing on. It it cut out. Could you say that one more time? The last oh. part. Yeah, and now I'm getting a notice that says my internet connection is unstable. Am I good? <laughs> this is this is good. This is good. We're gonna edit. Come this on. Part out. T. No, I like to keep this stuff in. T-Mobile. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> okay, so I said. You have an interesting model, the way that you yeah. deploy your resources within your business, because it's not just you going out and helping people oh, no, understand no. CFRs. You're really focused on like leadership development. So uh, tell me a little bit, tell everyone a little bit about your business, sure. the model and like sure. how you can help people be great. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so there's two parts of it. I mean, two sides of the work, I would say, um, in the leadership side, leadership development side, and definitely anyone can be in this space. Well, well anyone can probably work with us. Um, that approach is basically, we try to do what we call whole, whole life coaching. Um, the idea behind that is that it's, 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 you just can't turn on leadership. Um, as a matter of fact, I have, you know, we use the, use the presupposition that how you do anything is how you do everything. So the patterns that we have even in, in our personal life, will some will can trickle over into how we lead professionally, and how we communicate. That's a pattern. How we think about things and our approaches. That's a pattern. Um, everything from how we get up in the morning and so on. So we teach and talk about the patterns that we have, uh, and learn how we uh, can make shifts in that, transform them, transform those, or use those for our good. Um, I work with some, some clients and sometimes we're dealing with anxiety and we think some of those folks are really analytical. And I'm like, how do we channel that, reframe mm. that 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 being in your head to using that as your superpower, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, but also working through the other areas of life and showing you how um, you can uh, create a new life for yourself, a new leadership style, a new communication. And we've noticed if we can pinpoint some of those, pinpoint some of those pain points, we can usually create transformation everywhere. Uh, and it's usually just some small things, new habits that need to come into place. Maybe um, I always say supplant and replace. Um, that's a good old old fashioned CF, you know, <laughs> uh, AmeriCorps term we like what to say. What was it? Uh, so, you know how we like to, we can't supplant or replace uh, volunteers or staff members. Oh, we yes. Yes. But we, we can't. So how do we supplant and replace the limiting beliefs, the limiting thoughts and practices that we have that is keeping our programs, our leadership, our lives, our relationships from thriving? Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's what we do on, on Think for Good side. A lot of the work that we we you may if you've gone to like you came to our workshop, that's actually part of the coaching process. 
So you got a little bit of what we would do if we were working one-on-one. -on -one. So everything that we that we try to present at workshops and all of our talks and so on, it's really pulled out from our coaching process that we have. The other, other thing about that is uh, I don't like to be Google smart, if that makes sense. I don't want to be like, there's certain things that I know I won't say that I'm an expert in, but I'm pretty good at uh, that. I'm a really good learner in. Like I'm, I, I have a good grasp of it, uh, and have I believe I have some wisdom in it. There's other places where I know it, but I know someone else knows it better. Better, yeah. Right. And so what we try to do is where we can. If I, I if I'm, if I feel I'm Google, Google smart in a place. Um, that won't give the quality product and service to to the client and and the and that team. Then we bring in our service nerd collective folks, and which is basically a team of consultants that have a particular expertise, and they get recommended to move on. And so it helps to spread out our footprint, but also making sure that people know that there's some great there's a great amount of of wisdom um, within our network that sometimes people don't necessarily know, and mm -hmm. uh, and they are very qualified i there's you know a lot of there's a lot of um uh little letters behind these folks names and i just just <laughs> love listening to them talk i was like yeah that's it's really good i i, I think about uh, sometimes when we have opportunity especially when we have the opportunity to share stages it's quite incredible to watch them work and um so there are people i admire uh their work and we share uh uh the call for service and how we can actually move, make service uh, the cornerstone for leadership. And so that's where we I are. love that. Wait, to make leadership the corner. No, to make service the leadership service. of. Tell me, can you tell me a little yeah. bit of what, like, what? <laughs> the service, the service as the cornerstone of leadership. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, one of the things, you know, that old service leadership approach, I think some people forget about nowadays. Yeah. We use transformational leadership. We use all these new terms when it's just, it's just packaging sometimes. Yeah. And, but it's about how do we actually get the most out of people uh, that, so they can get the most out of themselves? Like, how do we give them as much as we can mm -hmm. rather? That's a better way of saying it. Push, mm -hmm. give them much as we, them, giving them the, as much as we can for, so they can thrive. And one of the adages that we like, you know, we, we, it's like, We'll know when we are successful when people feel that they've done it themselves, right? If they are empowered to be like, I don't yeah. need you anymore, right? Then I've done my job, right? If they have to keep asking me questions and stay with me for years on end, then I haven't done my job. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the way we 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 try to work. And we know that if we if you serve the people really well, you serve yourself. And those are the leaders that we, if we think about, those are the people that we love to be around. Those mm -hmm. are the leaders that we don't want to leave <laughs> because they've made us better as yeah. leaders as they have, you know, go, uh, as they have led us. So that's the best, that's kind of the approach. How do you think somebody balances? Because um, the first thing I do when I have a new staff or a new team member, I'm always like, all right, what do you need to learn? in the next year to go to your next opportunity. And they're looking at me like, I just got here, you know? <laughs> but so I'm always like, cause I, I'm an evolutionary creature. I'm like, okay, like my current role that I am, I'm in right now for my nine to five, like I used to be the thinker and the visionary. Mm -hmm. And then I had 
people that would implement and do. Well, I'm an implementer and doer now in my new role. And I'm like, mm -hmm. like, I'm so excited because it's kind of a new, it's not a new, but it's a, it's an old muscle that has been dormant for a little while. But mm -hmm. how, how do, what would you say, how would a leader, and I'll just circle back to my question, um, you know, me being a, somebody who is in a, a leadership position, a leadership role, always wanting to like help the team or the staff or whatever move to the next. But how does somebody like stay, keep a little bit of that energy for themselves to figure out where they need to also grow and learn? Because I did find so much of my time was spent ensuring that other people were, had what they needed that like at the end of the day, there was not, especially when I was in the leadership role. Now that I'm not in a leadership role, I feel like there's more opportunity for me to step back and reflect and think about what I, I want to learn in the next year. But mm -hmm. I felt like in the leadership role, it was like, keep, keep the boat sailing for the most part in the right direction mm -hmm. and make sure your people are happy. And at the, and, the, and I didn't really have any opportunity for like professional growth within myself. Does that make sense? So how do you advise leaders to, I guess, carve out time for themselves or figure out how to grow in their leadership capacity? Sure, sure. So I think- Do you have um, to pay you for this? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you can cash at me later. Okay. Um, I think what the first thing I always look at is I always say, check the patterns, but the pattern is going to, it's leading to something. Right. And so the pattern is leading to what we where we want alignment and what we believe is good or what we think is good. And also into something that we probably don't want. So first off, notice what your what your patterns are. If you're finding that you are pouring out more than you are taking in, meaning you mm -hmm. are not reading, you're not studying, you're not taking your classes, you, you know, you're not taking a moment just to, you know, um, to create uh, not taking a moment to wander, as I like to say as well, um, mm -hmm. and explore, then it's, it may be difficult for you to get people to wander, to explore, to be curious, to lead in a certain way, or to have them, you know, encourage them to read and do all these other things. Or you are encouraging them to do that, which means they may end up <laughs> supplanting you yeah. because they have, they have moved forward. So that's the first thing. The second, but but even with that, kind of knowing what, exploring what your trajectory, what trajectory you want to, to, where where you want to be, and so I always say there's like four major questions that people are asking themselves: uh, who do you who do you want to who do you want who do you, who are you right now? Who do you want to become? What do you want to do? And how do you want to do it? Mm. Those are the major questions that people are usually dealing with. My mentor gave me this, like he hit me with that. And it's, and we talk about it all the time. That is like, who am I right now? And then that ideal person is the, who do I want to become? So you, mm -hmm. from there, we start to imagine what are they reading? What's their demeanor? Yes. I mean, basically, what are they, you know, what are they learning? How do they show up in leadership? And then we start to really, and this is an old cognitive behavior therapy technique. We still use it today. Then you start to look at what can I do to, you know, today that will actually line up with who that person is. A lot of times, you know, you know, side note to that, a lot of times we believe that the person that we want to be, it's very far off. And really there's a lot of the things that the person is doing 
from that day-to-day actions as you imagine uh, as you imagine them that you can really be doing today. And all of a sudden you start to notice if you're implementing the future selves practices and patterns in this in this present moment, it's happening like that. It's yes. so quick uh, because it's it's like pulling things together and pulling it to you instead of like running toward it. If that oh, makes sense. Okay. If you guys didn't just hear what he said, it's like pulling it towards you yeah. instead of running after it. I I want you all to pause this podcast. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about that because that is a powerful image. And um, one of the things that like, yes, yes, and yes, I read a book um, called by Brendan Burchard and it was um, the high performing habits of a high performer or something like that. And that's Mm -hmm. what he said. He was like, so what you do is you start showing up like the person that you want to be. You dress like them, you eat like them, you you create your habits like them. And uh, the most tangible experience that I ever had in that that realm, and, and sometimes I go there, is um, I wanted to run. And so I, f- not now, I, this was a while ago, I need to get back to this, right? But I was like, instead of saying, I want to be a runner, I said, I am a runner. Yeah. And I, you know, it's that whole thing where you put your running shoes by your bed. So you don't even think about it. Like what would a runner do? A runner would get up, they yeah. drink a, a cup of water and they would go for a run. That's yeah. what runners do. And that's so powerful. Okay. I'm going to say it one more time. Instead of run, you're pulling it towards you instead of running after it. Yeah. That's, becoming, that's, a, yeah. Becoming it, becoming that person. In now it's, it's in the now. And what you start to do, I mean, this is why we don't have a lot enough time to even talk about. We're going to have to do a follow up. Identity, identity, right? So yeah. like as a, and how that forms, how we think, but also like how we, sh- our overall, our being, how we show up. That's where like, you have to become the thing, become the person that you want to be. And sometimes it's not just, it's the doing can do a couple of different things. Now, the way I also like to explain it, sometimes, you know, like volunteerism, right? We we know, here's a good practice. If you can if you can get people, and this is something we should teach in volunteer management all the time, if we can bring people into the, um, the reason why we'd like to do, you know, episodic events and episodic opportunities, because especially for new folks, because we know if we can get you to, t- to commit to the action, it helps to reinforce and develop the attitude. Mm-hmm. And the attitude now helps us commit to a new action that yeah. will, do, so it creates that loop. It's the start of the loop. And so it's like, you start to move. And then you, if you have, you start to embody the attitude, you start to become, I'm no longer, I'm not, um, I'm not volunteering. I'm a volunteer. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Right? I'm, yes. I, I'm now the thing. I'm not I am the thing. Voting. I'm not voting, you know, in the space of civic engagement continue. I'm not just, I'm not voting. I'm a voter. voter. You start to become and identify with the thing. That is way more powerful than just doing the thing because you now, it's a part of who you are, not Mm -hmm. just something that you do. And one of the things that um, Christy Heine, um, I gotta remember these podcast numbers. I don't, she's was a couple of weeks ago. Um, She was teach for America. Um, She, she does coaching as well. Um, One of the things she said, and I think this is powerful as well is like her 
her like yes to being the thing and becoming the thing and her philosophy is for now for now because it might change right like for now i think that's so powerful like and the thing is is, yeah isn't that so good it's so so good good. especially when um this is also when like we, we we try to get people to do or create a purpose statement or something like that and understanding that can can iterate over life over your life um because for now is basically because it's all you really have and if something happens and this is why when we, actually when we start to look at where you want to go i mostly focus on virtues mm-hmm. right more so than anything so that your virtues and i mostly focus on virtues and values in the state in the context of growth that's that's it that's where you really want to be you want to like identify in the space of virtue and virtue and um and values those are the places where you can grow and don't forget that your values i always tell people like your values are what's going to determine your values and beliefs determine your uh uh your behaviors and behaviors are determining your particular results now people fight me tooth and nail sometimes and when we when we can't break that down in time, but you start to look at it, it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. And when you feel disgruntled about something, it's a values conflict. You know, when you, when you are, when you are, uh, when, even when you're procrastinating, it's actually Mm -hmm. a values conflict right somewhere in there. It's something else that's blocking that's subconscious, but it's something that's maybe holding you in some particular way. When, when, when you just don't want to do it, it's because the action or the task is just something that you don't value, right? Yes. Um, or some other things. But I think that is the getting us into that vein of like understanding from a growth standpoint, I, I, I try not to get people to be so identified with, um, with a vocation, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That's one who of the do other you want to be? Yeah, it's who do you be, not what mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so because we've seen we've seen the job market job market change. We know within our sector, three to five years is about what you're gonna get. <laughs> you know, so it's it's squeeze gonna squeeze every last it's bit. Gonna, it's, you're gonna squeeze it and then you're probably gonna move on. And yeah. so we know that the job so you can be director here and then you end up being something else somewhere else and some something else. So that for now makes so much sense. That's why you focus on who you are as a being. So no matter where you are, your virtues and your values stay consistent, yeah. you, know, no, you know, no matter what the context is. Yeah, I think that's huge. A lot of times when people come to me and they ask me questions about like, what do you think my next steps are? I, I ask them, I'm like, how do you want to feel? Who do you want to be around? You know, and like when I was looking for my next best opportunity, sorry, Baltimore core, I love that. And I'm going to use it. My next best opportunity. I I have a mirror in my, like my closet doors are mirrors. And so I use white marker all the time for like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But I wrote down, like, I work in a place that's stimulating with creative, exciting, happy people that come up with new ideas. It wasn't like what I was doing it was who I was being and I think we talked about this that Eckhart Tolle said in English he loves that it says that the word is human being because and it's not human doing it's like who are we being and 
you know, just to loop this conversation back to AmeriCorps and AmeriCorps alumni, um, we find out like during our service year, we can find out that little glimpse of being, you know, when you are engaged with a student and you see the light bulb, or for me, it was this project that I did with the Girl Scouts and, and oysters, and they had to take care of these oysters throughout the entire year. I mean, they had to come out to the docks in the winter and, you know, break the ice off of these oyster things. You know, oh. it, it was serious, but in the spring, when we took that canoe ride out to the oyster sanctuary in the spa, spa river, um, they were so excited. They felt like they had accomplished something. And that was like, we were all being in the moment, you know, yeah. and, and it wasn't necessarily that I was a volunteer coordinator. It didn't matter. I was just being there with these kids that were like, it's funny because they're like, we're saving the bay. I'm like, <laughs> yes, you are. You're saving the bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but um I love that I love the work that you're doing right now on, on both aspects you know because service national service is it's a jargonaut right like it is it is it's a big beast and if we want to keep that this programming going and um we got to show up in the federal government we got to show up right and and compliant and strong and you know, the consultants out there that are helping the commissions. I know when I was in South Carolina, I was uh, working very closely with a compliance uh, consultant because, you know, you miss one little thing and it can really affect the program for years. Immediate domino. Yes, for domino. years. Yeah. yeah. But in the same vein, your your work in leadership development is so important. It's just, it's so, so important and so exciting. I love your approach. Yeah, I um, yeah. So we're getting to the end of the hour and I want to be okay. respectful of your time. Um, and so we, there's 2.1 million, 2 point, no, 1.2 million of us alumni. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you see for, what could we do as a collective, as a voice? What do you think we could do coming together regionally? I don't know. What are your thoughts on what we could do as an alumni base? Should we buy a building? I don't know. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> Capital <laughs> campaign. <laughs> I still like, so this is how, this is for those, you know, that have been around for a while. I still like the idea of the public, public service, uh, uh, the National Public Service Academy. I think that's what we used to call it, where we really okay. wanted um, those that wanted to go into, into this space. Uh, but there is... Um, a national academy, just like it would be for um, the Air Force or the Armed Forces. <clears throat> I love mm. that. I, I I would love to see see that where we can. And there's some there's some pop ups and some small some schools all over the place, all over the country that are doing some of this work. But I would love to like see this is this see that at from a uh, see that from a large national standpoint. The I think the. But that's a that's a good dream. You know, we'll talk if somebody wants to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it later on. The, the thing, other thing is I want I would encourage everyone to really identify. Yeah, that's it. I, I would encourage everyone to identify where they are on the civic engagement continuum, mm. meaning. Where are you 
in the place that you say you really want to be. So some of us really want to run for office. Now here, can I can I can I get this in here right quick? There's so many of us that were that were close to the work that created solutions, know the issue and the challenges so well that we've already become. We're, we're usually the ones that are getting brought in as subject matter experts to help to help inform policy. But when we but when we talk to folks that are in our space and we ask them, hey, have you ever considered running for office? Nah, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking I, I, I may miss being so close to and so. Mm-hmm. And I think we're giving it's a disservice to where we are because that is the I think that's the process. We start off with the immediate needs. Um, um the immediate needs, doing the work on the ground and so on. Then we move into a place where we're building, doing capacity building. We're creating the system so that we can do the, do the immediate needs and conduct immediate needs work more effectively and at a larger scale. But we also know that those problems will continue to persist until there may, until there may needs some probably some, some, some systems change, some policy yes. change. Yeah. And so I would say identify where you really want to be on that continuum and then consider if you're there, then start to investigate how you can become <laughs> that person in that role on the continuum. Um, I had the privilege of running for office. I didn't win my first my first race, but I do plan on running again um, because I understood that I can't you know, I'm I'm working with coalitions. I'm in um, task force. Uh, I'm out supporting a lot of different community efforts. I've run national service programs um, and so on. But I realized, you know, again, I have to put my mind in where my mouth is. I, at some yeah. point, we got to go out there and 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 give at least a vision of what's possible, not just the work. You know what's possible for us as a society, what's possible for us as a state or a city, and what have you. And I think we need way more national service members and graduates to come out of their programs and continue their work, and to be, you know, be candidates locally, you know, um, locally in their counties and their cities, um, um, in their states. And we need some folks in Washington. Yeah. As you were speak, as you were talking about that, there's three things actually that popped up in my head. Number one, I saw the visual of like actually getting into the machine. So you know, this we're, not that we're on a conveyor belt, but or the assembly line, but you know, we're outside of the machine. We're doing the thing. We're doing the projects. We're making it happen. We're doing the transactional and transformational work. But at some point, somebody's got to get back, get into that machine, and it needs to be retooled. And if you've been on the factory line, we'll just say you will have a better understanding of if you raised the factory line up just a little bit, our backs won't hurt, you know? And so getting more of us into the machine, I think is, is a great call to action. And I'll just point people back to the conversation that I had with um, Christina Flores. I think she was interview number four or five from new politics. Um, Yeah. Hi, Christina. If, <laughs> if this is something that you want to do, I'm sure Trey would be happy to to talk to you. But you can enroll in the new politics program and just see what it takes to to be to do this. And and then the last thing that I was thinking of is I'm a graduate, think, by the way. Yay! I am too. I did the um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the 
the very first like pro the first program the first part mm -hmm. of it but um in a few weeks i'm going to be talking to chad driscoll from america's service commissions oh. um he's a councilman um and he also is a new politics graduate as well and he's a national yeah. service alumni and worked for the commission in iowa and everything so we're going to have a conversation and this is actually something that we talked about so you know this is and and Robert Godfrey, who I interviewed like four four weeks ago, I think it's out there. He, yeah, I know, I know. Those are good names. You got some. You know, this is this Nikki's name dropping. If y'all haven't seen the podcast, you got to go back and watch these episodes because they're they got, she's got a lot of dope people on these podcasts. Well, you know, I think what's happening. So when I started this, it was like just find people, right? And yeah. and I I've been connecting with great like amazing people and people who are actually meeting each other in person. And then they're like, oh, you should get on this podcast. And they're like, I was on this podcast. And how cool is that? As that happened to Christina and Dana, Christina Flores and Dana. Um, oh, Dana, I'm sorry. I forgot your last name. Borelli, Dana Borelli. Um, she's at, they're out in San Antonio. But um, yeah, I think that what's happening is that the, the podcast is, is organically becoming what it's becoming, right? It's the law of attraction. Like it's whatever yeah. is... I'm just putting it out and things are coming back in. And I'm like, okie doke. Yes, 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 yeah. Yes. Well, this was like so groundbreaking. And again, I am, I am so appreciative that I think you reached out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I was familiar with your work. So I was like, oh heck yes. Um, it's part of a, a grander idea that I have where I really want to share AmeriCorps alumni's uh, resources and, and, and businesses, right? Like I, I interviewed, um, uh, I forgot another person's name. That's terrible. Um, Harrison. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I forgot her name. She's a volunteer Maryland alumni too, but she has a terrarium business, right? Like she can oh, wow. teach okay. you how to build. I think we talked about her uh, when we were, um, uh, you know, and I want, I want people to know that alumni have these different things that they're offering. So, um, you know, I think this is an alignment. So, um, as we wrap up, is there any last, last shout outs or calls to, to action or how do you want to connect with folks? What is the, what's the next step to working <laughs> or interacting with Trey? Yeah, no, no problem. So, so, so thanks for this. And um, definitely, again, the call, the first call is to identify where you are on the, on the, on the civic engagement, on the CEC, as I like to call it, and then identify what you need to, if it's, if you're not in alignment, identify what you need to do to be, to have, if that makes sense. Um, but you can always run if if you got if you have any challenges with that, uh, or just want to hear my story of like what I had to go through just to run for office, um, even working and, and how I use my experience to run. Uh, you can always reach out to me at at thinkforgood.org. Uh, you can also reach me at theservicenerd.com. Um, if you're on social media, it's hashtag service nerd. I guarantee you'll find my face. Guarantee. <laughs> and awesome. then on all other social media at Trey Detweiler. Um, the next big thing that we're doing, if you are in the national service space and you have a national service program, uh, the end of September, September 23rd to, through the 25th, we're doing something called Living and Leading Intentionally. It is a three-day, two-hour each day experience where we teach uh, your core members and even staff. This is one of those programs that used to have people leave their jobs. I'm, they're not going to leave their jobs on this one. They're not going to leave service, but it's a way to really anchor them in their service. 
understanding their values and virtues. And once you understand that, it helps you under, helps them understand their own motivations. Uh, so we're going to do that twice. We're going to do one in September and we're going to do one in uh, October. I would love for folks to join. It is one of our most requested talks. We've expanded it because we just never have enough time, just like this podcast. I know. <laughs> uh, so we want to make sure, um, basically, to get. And it's going to be, I think it's a great time. It's always impactful uh, again. So feel free to reach out to us there, um, thinkforgood.org, or just Trey at thinkforgood.org. Easy way, and we're there. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure all of that's in the show notes. And um Thank you so much. And it's Sade Harrison has the terrarium. (laughs) I was like, I can't leave this podcast without giving her a shout out. This was amazing. If you um, like this conversation, reach out to Trey, reach out to me. I'm in, you know, still recruiting podcast folks. My goal is to get a podcast out every week for a year and then see where this goes. And if, if this is something you're interested in, uh, apparently if you're on YouTube, if you like and subscribe, it like boosts the algorithms and, definitely, and definitely. I, I'll figure out what that means later. Um, but thank you again. And thanks, Trey. And for all of you, we'll be back next week with another alumni interview, uh, or I guess alumni connection. Take care. Thank you. See ya. Take care.